Hey, Billy, I'm wondering, have you been looking for a way to get better as a coach? Uh, always. That's good because you could do it by using GMS Plus. It's a great resource for courses, drills, stats, videos, tips, and much more. Many of the game's winningest coaches and players, including Heather Olmstead, Keegan Cook, John Spira, Mike Wall, and Courtney Thompson, have used it or are a part of it. They're also actually have been former guests, so you know they're good. Personally, I've learned a lot from Gold Medal Squared, as have many of our guests. So if you're looking to win a state championship or an Olympic gold medal, GMS Plus will help you get there. Get 20% off an annual subscription today. Go to goldmedalsquared.com backslash CYBO and enter CYBO. That's goldmedalsquared.com slash CYBO and enter coupon code CYBO. Welcome to Coach Your Brains Out, the show that explores learning and leadership from the top minds in volleyball and beyond with your hosts, John Mayer and Billy Allen. Okay, well, I wanted to shift in. We've already been talking about it, but the other topic you had discussed before we we decided um, on doing this was this idea of coach development, which, yeah, we've we've been touching on. Um, But yeah, it it seems like, for sure, with me, a lot of our conversations and with my staff, when I talk with other coaches, it's about player development. You know, what are we doing to get this player better? What are we doing to get the team to be where we want to be? And this piece of coach development gets uh gets lost or gets forgotten or maybe purposefully don't want to dive into our warts um but yeah i guess what just kind of broadly what and i think you've already you've definitely already mentioned some but what what are some things that coaches can be doing to make sure we're on the same journey same path that we ask of our players no it's a great question i love that you know as you said maybe sometimes it's we don't want to know our warts I, i think if we're honest with ourselves um you know, I've, I've spent some time with, with uh, you know, somebody who I know is close to you as well, Tom Black, and and he, he made the comment one time, he said, uh, you know, the more I do this, the more I realize the problems in here and not out there. Um, <laughs> and, and what his point was, like, I, I th- so I think the first answer is we can be studying and learning for sure. Um, and there's tons of resources out there, like there, there's more resources um, then there is uh, capacity to, to know and understand. So it's like, Hey, pick something and try to get better at it. Um, but I think Tom's point is great in that, um, we can also think the answer is always out there. And I need to keep studying all these areas. And like, if I haven't made sense of my own journey and why do I lead the way I do and why do I respond the way I do and everything else, then I'm going to keep tripping over myself. Um, you know, I, th- I think the simple thing um, I was I was talking to a, um, a a neuroscientist here recently, and he was talking about you know I, a lot of us has probably been exposed to this idea of, of mirror neurons, where as yeah. human beings we'll match the behaviors that we see from from and I'd always heard that framed out in the concept of um, relationship, but he was framing out in the concept as a leader mm-hmm. that at the end of the day people are which. They're, they're going to mirror the behaviors you're doing because you are a leader, because you're in a position of authority, because they care about, you know, they recognize you care about them, whatever else. But it was a reminder that I, way more, you know, we pick out whatever simple phrase, more is caught than taught, more, uh, uh, you know, model the behavior you want to instill in others. Um, you know, we are way more showing people the way as opposed to trying to teach them and tell them or whatever else. And so I think the first thing I, I realize as a, as a coach and leader is if I'm trying to get them to be uh, a replica of me and I doing everything I can to be the best I can be, 
and that's where I think it, again, it comes, it starts with, with self. Um, the other thing I'll throw out as, as you think about coach development, this had, um, really framed some things up for me. We were at, I was talking with a guy, uh, that we're talking about leadership development. And he said, you know, if you think about leadership development being part education, part mentorship and part experience, he said the typical approach is 70% education, 20% mentorship, 10% experience. He said it needs to be flipped. It needs to be 70% experience, 20% mentorship, 10% training. Mm-hmm. And I share that because I think it happens in coach development a lot where it's like, okay, training, training, education, education, training, what podcasts, what books, what, and I, I realize I'm probably not doing a good pitch here for uh coach your brains out podcast, <laughs> but it, the point is it's not to minimize the the train the training the the education the content matters but it's ultimately then to be able to go do something with it i have to experience and get reps it's just like with with players right i need to get reps trying these things and learn and grow that's where we're going to see growth the mentorship is the piece that somebody's walking alongside of me trying to help me uh, make sense of what i went through so i as i share about that i think the the simple things dive into some content the, the, the second thing would be, let's start by thinking about ourselves and that, where am I a peak performer? And am I, you know, am I modeling the behavior I want to instill in others? And then the, the third piece is, am I intentionally um, trying things and growing in things and then reflecting on them? That's where I love, you know, John, as you mentioned about, hey, a one up, one down on the training session we did. I think a lot of times we think of, we separate coach and player development. If I'm obsessed with player development as a coach then I'm looking at how we're doing player development and I'm assessing that, which is then informing me, where do I need to do it better? Which mm-hmm. that means I'm getting better as a coach. Um, and so if we connect those dots and we leverage leverage the experiences that we're getting and be intentional with some of our experiences, like, hey, I'm going to try this out in this safe. The, the risks are not that great. I can try it here. It's not the NCAA Final Four. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'd try this out and then see what kind of progress we make, get some feedback on it, you know, make adjustments and iterate off of it and continue to grow that way. I love uh, the example and it hits kind of close to home and I've seen it where you can get obsessed with just learning and information. And I think it comes from a good place. It's cool when people are hungry to learn. I picture like uh, learning a language, you know, I'm doing Duolingo and I'm reading a book in Spanish and I'm listening to a song in Spanish. And then I get to actually see someone who speaks Spanish and I just speak English, you know, it's like (laughs) actually doing the thing is probably the most valuable thing, but it's a lot of times the hardest step. Well, and I think there's a, uh, yeah, there's a risk there because I think a lot of times, so think about um, if ultimately the environment I'm creating and who I am is more impactful than the messages I'm telling my players. Um, if I say, hey, risk, try, you need to explore. And then number one, if I hammer them, whatever they made a mistake, obviously that undermines it. But the other thing is if I don't ever do it myself, yeah. um, but if I if I take a risk and try, try something I'm like, you know, that didn't go very well. We need to re- iterate off of that. That's a huge, hugely impactful message to our athletes. Um, I've joked before. I said, I think more often than not players um, or athletes, are listening not to what we're saying. They're listening to see if the, if our behaviors then match our words. And if they do, then they'll buy in. But if not, we're, they're really just listening to say, okay, he said this, but he really means this. And so yeah. I think that is a perfect example. So as a coach, if I'm not willing to risk and try and explore and get outside of that my comfort zone, and let's be honest, as coaches, 
we're in a position of authority. We feel like we need to be perfect. I mean, I, I've had tons of coaches over the years say, well, I'm not going to put something in front of the player that I'm not, you know, fully vetted and proficient and everything else. I understand that, but it, I also get know that at some point then we're never risking and trying and growing. Um, and again, there's a, there's a right place and a right time to do these different things. And we don't have to take huge, crazy risks. But if I'm not intentionally trying some of these things and putting some of these things into practice, I'm never going to get good at them. And so I'm going to be stuck and just accumulating information. That doesn't mean we've gotten transformation. Yeah. So take me through that. So let's say I, I am going to go try something new. Um, I guess my first instinct would be to like set it up so that it looked like I knew what I was doing. Uh, and if it didn't go well, I'd want to move on to the next thing quick. That'd probably be my natural instinct. So I guess if you were to coach me up and you saw that, what would you do the next time? Well, so the first thing I would say is, hey, is there a is there a place or a space where we can do this where the risks aren't that great? The, the simple one for coaches, this is why doing private lessons or doing camps is huge value because those are free reps. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of times what happens as coaches is we like just try to get through those days, which I get long days, whatever else. But like those are free reps for us to try different things out and experience different things. Um, but even in a situation, say we're with our team and we and we do something and it doesn't quite go according to plan. This is where the one up, one down comes into play, right? What did we do well? What did we learn from it? What, you know, what's something, but what's something maybe we could have tweaked differently or whatever else and try to come back and iterate it. And there are times where we look up and we're like, that didn't go at all the way I wanted it. And there's really no way to salvage it. <laughs> but even that is a lesson learned, like that doesn't work or it didn't work that way with those conditions. Um, there's a, I, I spent some time with uh, Dan Hefner at, at Dallas Baptist baseball coach there. And, and Dan's really good player development has turned out a bunch of coaches that are doing significant things in the industry is, has, uh, you know, taken, it's a division two athletic department that they're a top 20 division one baseball program um, year in and year out developing big league prospects and uh, the thing that always amazed me about Dan is um, if there's something new out there, he wants to know what it is. Not that he's going to, you know, sell out to it, but he's got his core philosophies. But he's like, you know what, that's going to help some player at some point. Hmm. And so he's looking at all these as tools in his toolkit. Um, and I think a lot of times as coaches, we're hesitant to go listen to so and so because I'm like, well, I don't want to change my philosophy. You don't have to change your philosophy. <laughs> hmm. Um, or we just, or we do swing and, and we're constantly changing our philosophy, mm. like our, our core philosophy and our core convictions shouldn't change a ton. They're going to tweak, they're going to evolve, but I should be adding more tools to my toolkit. Cause at the end of the day, this player in front of me is different from the, from another player. And so do I have some different tools to be able to go to, to try to help that player, which requires me as a coach to try some different things and risk some things that would be like, you know what, that didn't work. We're going to keep exploring. You know, I know you're passionate about constraints-led approach and this this exploratory approach for a player. I'm trying to create an environment where this player is exploring his limits and exploring the right solution. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm doing as a coach. So I'm going to try some different things that we're exploring, trying to find. That didn't work. That's fine. That There was learning that happened there. We know that didn't work. Now let's try something different. Yeah, that's sometimes that's the most useful information. 100%. Something doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So what if, and I don't know if you're around many people like this, um, but what if what I've been doing is working or winning? Um, I've had lots of success. Um, should I still be considering coach development? Um, yeah. How do I, 
how do I consider this stuff? Like uh, I'm already successful. Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think um, th the answer is yes. I think the key is uh, let's define what that looks. Let's define what coach development looks like. And if it's if we're constantly chasing something else or looking for something else, I I'm going to be you know more susceptible to constantly um, sw you know evolve swinging the pendulum too much. But if I'm if I see coach development as I'm refining something, and so like this. Um, I think a lot of times when we think about development, coach development, and we think about learning, we think about addition and the best in the world, it's about subtraction and refinement, right? Like I go through something and I realize that doesn't work. I need to get rid of that. This is more important. And so the, the, uh, the answer to the question of, should I continue to explore coach development? The answer is yes. I think we just got to make sure we're honest about what does that really look like? And it's not more information, more content, more whatever else. It's ultimately I'm continuing to try to refine now, there does come a point in time potentially where a, a core belief or a core tactic may get challenged. And, and am I going through this, um, you know, honest and, and uh, reflective enough to be able to look at that challenge in the face and, and wrestle with that? What if I'm a young coach and I'm, you know, I hear you talk about philosophy, core beliefs, uh, and I'm considering, you know, what path and how I want to develop. I guess, how do I establish, how do I think about and up with what my my philosophies my core beliefs are now it's a great question i i think um i think as as coaches it, it's funny the more i spend time with coaches and leaders the more i believe there's a lot of ways to skin a cat and i think we spend way too much time going well this is the way or this is the way or that's like i i can point to a lot of different coaches who've had a lot of success mm. um doing it completely different but I think if you start peeling away, you start to identify some common principles and some key things that um, the principle, but then what does it look like for that individual coach? And so right. I, I say that to frame this out, I think as a coach, I'm starting on my journey. I need to start figuring out who I am and who I want to be. Why? Um why do I coach the way I do? What are my big influences? I think about uh, both in sport, away from sport, but what are the things that have shaped me? Why do these things matter? Why do I respond to things the way I do? But to start doing some, some uh, you know, more internal reflective uh, of what matters to me and why to start to then sit, to get to that point to say, this is who I am and who I want to be. Um, what that then allows us to do then is to say that, okay, that gives me a framework to then figure out, okay, what are the best ways to kind of create that and bring that to life? But I think we got to start by reflecting on, uh, on how we got to here. And then I think it's a, it's being able to study and look at, okay, look at, um, uh, Dan Heifert says success leaves clues, right? Success leaves clues. So am I studying people that have had success and saying, okay, why are they having success? But to challenge myself to drill down, and say, is that really the reason or is there something else? And and is there another factor there that's that I don't have in this situation? But to start to really try to study and make sense, the more I can really distill down to principles. Um, I think when you're starting off as a coach, we think there's 30 things that matter. And then you're like, you know what? There's really three. The rest of them, there's preferences. These things, though, have to be there. And the more that I can commit to that, to going down that process and continuing to refine that process, the, the better chance I have to land on things that are stable to then build off of. I love the, that you have 
the idea and obviously from evidence that you've seen lots of coaches be successful in different ways and it's you know how am I going to creatively artistically personally you know live these coaching principles that are probably going to be effective across different uh, fields so I guess could you give us what some of those uh, I guess some of the main ones you've seen like the core principles that show up in and I'm sure you've seen them and you've been working with all sorts of organizations uh, can you give us a couple of them yeah, no, I think I think it was a great uh, conversation. So I think we can then start at a really high level, and then we can drill down, for, for, you know, to whatever level from there. But so when I I first started, you know, I was coaching in college, and I first started working in pro ball, and I went in with an idea of what great coaches looked like, and I th- thought they were, you know, the smartest guys in the room and could break down movement better than anybody else, and blah 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 blah, and. Um, I had the pleasure of working with uh, being around Carl Willis, who was the major league pitching coach in Cleveland at the time and around a lot, bunch of other really good baseball guys. But, um, you know, I was around Carl and I'm like, I don't know that Carl does those things. Um, now you spend time with Carl, you realize there's way more there than probably people think initially, but what Carl did that I was not emphasizing enough. Um, and this has played out as I've continued to ask, you know, players, Hey, best coach you ever played for it's amazing how often the thing that comes up the most is that they'll say so-and-so because they knew exactly what they were getting from them. So there's this, this level of consistency mm-hmm. because the world's chaotic mm-hmm. <laughs> performance is chaotic developments. Chaotic. Like these, I need something that provides some consistency and stability. So I know what I know what to expect. The only way you can do that then is if you're authentic, you are, you are consistent to who you are. Um, and so the best coaches I've been around, the best leaders I've been around know who they are. And they can consistently commit to being there. They're not trying to be somebody else. Um, you know, it's um, as you were talking and giving the example uh, earlier, I was thinking about, you know, Bobby Knight recently passed away and and um, obviously a polarizing coaching figure. Yeah. At the end of the day, the, the man had a ton of success and he impacted a ton of lives. Um, the, the bigger and so he did a lot of things really well. Um, he probably got away with some things because he was consistent to who he was. Um, and we can argue, but I think the bigger thing to take away for me is that a lot of people tried to copy Bobby Knight and they weren't copying why Bobby Knight was successful. They were copying the other things and it may or not have been their personality type. So that authenticity piece is huge. Mm. I think the other key part from a coach and leader, um, that, that you notice, uh, as across the board is this challenge and support piece, right? They are able to um, create an environment, and there's a lot of ways to do this, but they're able to create an environment where players are willing to push beyond their comfort zone, beyond their, you know, bump up against their their uh, their best thresholds and be in that space where I'm getting stretched. Not overwhelmed, not bored. Can I have us in this, in that cool stretch zone where we're able to um, to learn and grow and and feel comfortable taking risks? And again, there's a lot of ways to do that, but but that principle is is um, present. So I'd say consistency, the authenticity piece. They know who they are and they're consistent with those. And then the ability to um, navigate this um, this challenge support piece. I've, I've shared with people. I said, you know, I think a lot of times as leaders and coaches we take resistance personally. And when we really step away from the flame and we think, okay, as a leader or a coach, I'm challenging the status quo. I'm trying to get something better than the status quo. As human beings, I'm hardwired to want to preserve the status quo. So that's going to be met with resistance. That's not personal. 
And so the coach that's able to navigate through that and continue to push through that and not get sideways and not take it personal. And we're going to as human beings. I don't want us to think that we're, you know, robots and that that you're not going to have those moments of taking things personal, but I'm, when I have that feeling of taking something personal, I'm not, a, I'm not letting it affect how I'm leading. I'm able to, okay, feel what I need to feel, but now I got to commit back to my values here, which is ultimately trying to challenge the status quo. That's great. So I was thinking, um, we've talked about re reflection a little bit and use the example, the one up, one down, uh, but I was thinking of reflection on these, the consistency, the authenticity, the challenge support. I guess that there are other tools or other ways outside of the one up, one down that coaches can be reflecting and um, making sure that they are standing for, you know, these, these built these principles that are so important to any good coach. Yeah. I think the feedback piece. I, so um, just like anything else in, in skill development, right. There's gotta be a feedback loop. There's gotta be some piece of, of um, you know, information coming back. And so that can be from, we can think about from a 300, 360 degree perspective. So it might be from my boss, it might be from a peer, it might be from uh, a subordinate, um, mm -hmm. from players. I think we got to be intentional with who we're asking for feedback in all this. So we can't just ask everybody because different people are going to be di different, you know, different levels of being equipped to be able to give feedback on this. Um, I, I think uh, video and, and being mic'd up is a powerful tool as a coach. It's really uncomfortable for guys. Yeah. The best that I've been around are willing to do it. Um, but to really study and say, <laughs> wow, my body language sucked there. Man, did you see the body language of my team there? Did you see, you know, um, yeah. so to, but, and whether that's to watch that ourselves or whether I have somebody else, you know, a lot of times when I would meet with a coach or player and was given potentially a challenging uh, message, I'd have somebody else in there and we'd get done. I'd say, Hey, what do you got? And uh yeah, there were times where I'm like, I thought that went pretty well. And they're like, you completely crushed that person there. You know, that, that did not go the way you think it it did. So the the external perspective, I think this is where that mentorship piece can come into play too. Um, as a coach, do I have, am I opening up my, my, uh, my culture, my organization to some outside perspectives to be able to come in and share um, where there might not be a horse in the race or there may be a horse in the race, but I trust this person. And so that, uh, you know, having somebody to walk alongside of me and give me some feedback, um, you know, is, is, uh, hugely vulnerable and it takes risk, um, but can, can be hugely impactful as well. Cool. Those are some great practical tools that, yeah, that coaches can go out and, and use and get uncomfortable and, and, uh, develop, uh, uh, man, the film one is a tough one, but I think a really powerful one. Um, okay. So I had a, a couple questions from. Uh, they're actually, they're uh, calm listeners, but they're friends of yours. One of them was Tom Black, who you already mentioned. <laughs> uh, yep. And I found out from him, I mean, this might be a little inside baseball. I don't know if we want to announce it here, but you guys are working on a podcast called Athletes and Artists that'll be released sometime soon. That is the plan. Yeah. So we, uh, Tom and I've had a lot of conversations back and forth. Um you know, my, my passion is just bringing people from different worlds together to, to explore, um, excellence in this journey. Tom specifically, um, with doing some of the writing he's done and continue to tap into the art side to help him be a better coach. So we did it. We did a summit last summer, athletes and artists. We had a, you know, uh, whatever, 10 or so, uh, people from the world of sport and 10 or so people from, from the art side come in a room and we spent two days talking about, um, performance and what does this look like 
And it's amazing how much, I mean, you're talking about two groups that are like polar opposites on mm -hmm. campus, polar opposites everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so many uh, commonalities that they can share from each other. Um, and I think it's a, it's a safer way for us to hear some of these lessons because it's like, you know, you have nothing to do with my world. So I'm just curious about yours. And all of a sudden now I start to see things a little differently because I'm more curious. So anyways, that has led to Tom and I uh, starting a podcast and we've got quite a few in the hopper. We need to, uh, to release them. I'm not a tech guy and Tom's in season. So that means, uh, you know, probably here in the next month or so we'll start releasing those, but really cool conversations. Um, they've been fun, fired up to, yeah. See, see where they land with people. Cool. I can't wait. I'm a immediate subscriber. I'll be uh, all over. <laughs> I love the concept. I don't think it's something I've heard often talked about. And like you said, they do oftentimes they're painted as different worlds. I don't know the, the jock and the drama or whatever, but yeah. uh, the, the experiences are, are the same, I'd imagine. Yeah. So that'd be really cool to learn from. Yeah. Um, okay. So I had a question from him. Uh, we touched on this one a little bit, but maybe you could build off it. He said, what do you think great coaches seem to have in common? Yeah. So I think, it, I think it's those, those things we talk about. They know who they are. They like who they are. They can consistently be who they are. Um, they, uh, so that authenticity piece, the consistency, consistency piece, I, I think the other thing that I would add with, you know, that challenge and support piece, which is ultimately that willingness to challenge the status quo, it's not just for others, it's for themselves too. Um, meaning that I'm never satisfied. I'm never, you know, it, it's funny. I, and this, um, this topic comes up a lot and, you know, I have conversations with people that when the word perfection comes up, it freaks people out. And I understand why. Um, I think more and more we're dealing with, with young people who are wrestling with this topic than ever before. Mm -hmm. I just know the best I've ever been around are not afraid of that pursuit. Like that, they, uh, they don't back away from that pursuit. They're trying to perfect something. They know they can't, <laughs> they, they know it's maddening. Um, their identity is not tied to it. It's tied to the pursuit of it. And so I think that challenge in the status quo applies for themselves as well. Yeah, that's great. Okay. So then his one other one, it's pretty broad, but he said, what are your current thoughts on performance? <laughs> um, so I'll share uh, two that I uh, have stolen from people recently that I thought were really good. So the first one was this idea of um, performance is ultimately getting into the to the unconscious state, the natural state. And so how consistently can we get into that into that state, um, which we, we touched on earlier um, that that state's getting threatened all the time. And then, so how, how do I navigate those different threats and those different challenges? So it's not necessarily about being in that state. It's about this journey that I'm, I'm pursuing, um, you know, as I navigate those different threats. So that's one. Um, the second one is I, I heard somebody say recently, they said peak performance is a job worth doing uh, for a leader worth following as a part of a group that's worth belonging to. And I just thought that was really powerful in terms of how that hit both the specific musician, uh, mission for themselves, um, who you're going alongside of, and then ultimately the, the, the belonging piece. The last piece I'll share on the performance side that, that continues to crystallize for me is the best in the world have the same doubts, problems, struggles as everybody else. They're human beings. 
I'm amazed how many peak performers I've been around who 15 minutes before competition were scared to death, thought they were never going to have success again. Mm. Felt all that, but that feeling didn't derail their willingness to go engage in, in the arena to engage in the fight. Love that. And that plays in well, because this is something the next person, Bernie Holiday, talks a lot about the idea of, you know, if you're clear on your values, it, just if you act or if you feel scared, doesn't mean you have to act scared. You know, if you feel nervous, doesn't mean you have to act nervous. If you know your values, you can go out and compete and uh, be a great teammate, even when you feel those things. Uh, OK, so from Bernie, which I was thinking as I was doing this, like, man, how many people thinks the the Kyle and the pirates that have influenced my life. Um, I mean, I think you and I've only met once in person, uh, <laughs> but uh, I feel like you've had like a really powerful impact on me. You know, Bernie, one of them, Andy Bass, um, the Dutch guys, like, the, I mean, I could go on just thanks to uh, a lot of thanks to you and what you guys created uh, in that organization. Okay. But anyways, his, his question was from Bernie. He says, most people think about leadership as leading down. What have you learned about how to effectively lead up as the general manager or president owner of your <laughs> company during your time as a pirate and during consulting afterwards? So Bernie decided to expose me. Um, <laughs> I, I joke around. I laugh. My passion is leading uh, is the people that I'm leading. Um, I think too often I, I think people get consumed with leading up and by, by leading up, I mean, they get consumed with making sure their boss likes them. And I just believe, hey, the the bigger things to make sure that the people I'm leading are are growing and getting better and and um, and achieving together because that'll take care of things. But what I have learned about leading up, uh, not that I've done it well, <laughs> is um, it, well, if you step back and you say, okay, what is leadership? Leadership's influence. It's influencing somebody towards um, you know something productive. So that means I've got to be intentional with it. And, and what I realized, I was way more intentional leading down as opposed to leading up. And I just assumed that, you know, we were good there. And that, so the, the same type of investment um, in the relationship, the awareness of the person I'm leading is different um, and being able to walk alongside of them. What do they need from me? Um, recognizing and reminding ourselves that they've got a lot of stuff on their plate and things like they're not consumed with the stuff I'm consumed with. <laughs> And so when I, I can't take that personal based on a response or a reaction or whatever else. Um, so I think a lot of the same principles that apply down, apply up, they just look different in terms of how they play out. And the big one is that uh, we, we've got to continue to be intentional um, that that relationship we're going to face hard times. And so that relationship has to withstand that coming back full circle. We started with, with the COVID piece. I think COVID exposed more than it did, um, you know, change. And I think the same thing applies here where, um, you know, if there's stresses in that relationship uh, or if there's cracks in that relationship and stresses come they're they're going to expose those cracks. Great. Okay. One more from Bernie. And this kind of plays into our reflection conversation earlier he says, if you were given one mulligan to use during any part of your time as the Pirates Farm Director, Assistant Manager, what process decision would you choose to play your mulligan on? Tough question. Yeah, I, I, I joke around with people. I said I had a lot of mulligans. The good thing was we had our process was obsessed with um, continuous improvement. So I was able to to have mulligans and, and, and do them better. Um, 
you know, I think the if you look back and you say this one thing uh, to do different. Um, so I, I think what ends up happening as you're building an organization, I think the one is the leading up piece. But since we already answered that, I, I think the other one is as you're building an organization and you're trying to improve and get better, it gets back to that piece of it's easy to add. And as you're adding, instead of refining while you're bringing lots of new people along, those different people are at different spots in that uh, in that um, journey. And we're potentially adding more people than we need, but we're like, hey, additional resource, additional resource. You and I were talking earlier about, uh, before we got on in terms of the thing I loved about Pittsburgh was we were going to be the 28th, 29th biggest market. Like, okay, <laughs> um, we're going to create an identity here that we are going to beat you regardless because our people and our processes are better. Um, and when you have more resources, you can actually get sloppy and you can lose sight of what's most important. And we added resources in some spot. I don't know that we needed to and created some confusion and some challenges with. Um, so I would stay leaner and, and continue to really focus on that refinement piece as opposed to growth being an addition um, the next thing, the next layer, whatever else. Hmm. Cool. Well, cool to hear you reflect and be direct and honest about the experience. Amazing what you you created there. And like I already said, all the amazing people you brought in there and that are still, uh, you know, made a huge impact on me and, and many around them. Um, so there's a lot to celebrate. And um, I'm thankful again for all that you've taught me. It's so fun to, to just hear like, gosh, you know, so much about leadership, coaching, culture, development and as you're talking you'll be like yeah i was talking to this neuroscientist like man when i talk to someone I'm like i talked to joe down the street at the mcdonald's <laughs> but, <laughs> but i talk to it. joe a lot and i probably learn more from joe than i do a neuroscientist yeah, but <laughs> yeah. but it goes to like just how uh curious you are and, and and connected and uh just such a great person to learn from so thankful that you've spent well, time with us i'm looking forward to hearing the podcast and uh people you know just to and I, I'm sure you're plenty busy, but if people are interested in getting in touch um, with your, with Stark contract. Yeah. There, so you know, um, I, I suck at the marketing side. So you're not going to find me on social media anywhere. I'm managing up and out. I'm, I don't do well. Um, I do have a website coming at some point, which will be, <laughs> be able to uh, get in touch. Um, you can flood the, the coach your brains podcast uh, contents <laughs> and John can definitely pass along my contact information. Uh, I will say that I, I think, um, you know, just heart for coaches. And so, um, you know, you mentioned about, hey, how can we get better? I think more often than not, as a coach, it's like, do I have a mentor? Do I have somebody that I can bounce things off of? Whatever else is probably more important than us just consuming more information, uh, because I think it allows somebody to reframe some things and, and challenge. So, um, and I've got a heart for, for coaches. So if I can help, um, we can figure out a way to, to get connected somehow, some way. <laughs> <laughs>